was shortly after, or he did it. I don't know how it happened. Did it come? Well, anyhow, shortly after that, he was in the United States Army. And he was sent originally up to Alaska. Well, those of us old enough to remember, we can remember the the privations that they suffered there in Attu and Kiska, the loneliness, the never-ceasing wind and sleep, the uh, absolute lack of any even glimpses of female persons. The Section 8 ratio is getting bad up there. Roy uh, developed a romantic attachment to a moose. <laughs> and the Army broke that up and shipped them down here to Florida, to Tampa. And that's where this story begins. He has to speak to us now. He isn't too happy about it, possibly. I, there was a Christian that they threw to the lions in the Colosseum. And they let the lion out. And the Christian was standing there. And the lion was creeping up towards him and creeping up towards him. And all of the screaming Romans could see the Christian lean over and obviously say something to the lion who suddenly just turned around and slunk back in his cave. And the Romans all gave the Christian thumbs up and saved him. And he went back with the other Christians. So what did you say to the lion? He says, I simply told him he'd be expected to say a few words after dinner. <laughs> it is a great pleasure that I give you a friend of all of us, Roy Clark. Good evening. I'm Roy, a recovering alcoholic. Today is the day, the 24 hours that we've been telling you about. Are you present? <laughs> People ask me how I stay sober. Uh, the same way I do my life. Before I came up here, I drove in to the bank that I do business with, and I gave a piece of paper, and they gave me some money. Now, why did they give me some money? They did that because of something that I did prior to that. I put some money in a bank. And if I don't continue to put money in the bank, I'm going to have checks bounce in. I'll be overdrawn. I opened an account in a sobriety bank 
And the reason I've stayed sober this long is because I continue to make my deposits. I hear some of the so-called old-timers. They don't do that anymore. They've paid their dues. I paid my dues for yesterday, but this is today. I have dues every day. The 24-hour program works both ways. We only do it for 24 hours, but we do it every 24 hours. It's a continuing living program. I've talked to a lot of people through the last 45 years and asked them what they were looking for. Invariably, it was something intangible. They wanted love. They wanted security. And uh, none of these things are objectives, actually. You can't go out and buy a three dollars worth of uh, love or whatever. They happen because of something that you do. And if you take these steps and do them every day, sobriety, another intangible, happens. It's a result of what you do. We will help you to open your own account, but from there on you must make deposits of your own if you expect to be able to draw on your account. I uh, don't know if there are any newcomers here or not, besides me. I, uh, I spoke at a couple of meetings in Montreal, and one of them was a uh, called the Golden Oldies. Now, people ask me, what the hell is Golden Oldies? I guess it was because of the golden anniversary that they got that term. But you can uh, spot them very easily. It's the guy over there, the little old lady carrying his bag. <laughs> you follow him down, and you see another little old lady get up and give you his chair, her chair. And he takes it. <clears throat> the other meeting that I spoke at was somewhat of a history of AA. It was how it started and how it spread. And uh, I don't have time to touch on this too much. Most all of you know the story. But there's one thing that I uh, would like to clear up. I've heard a rumor around that uh, Bill Wilson and Dr. Smith were saints. Now, I don't remember them that way. I was fortunate enough to know both of them pretty well. I played cards with Dr. Bob, and he don't play cards like a saint. He'd steal your shirt if you could. I uh, think about Bill sitting in his living room after dinner, and we got to talking about various people.
that had gone to the big meetings. And Larry, the guy that brought it to Houston from Cleveland, he had passed away some time before. So I said, Bill, I wonder what Larry would think about it if he could see it today. He said, let's ask him. So he gets off the Ouija board, <laughs> and we talk to Larry. And uh, I never saw anybody could use the Ouija board the way he does. I've always felt that he had a special eight number, 800 number directly upstairs because uh, some of the things he did uh, certainly were not without help from up there. I'm sure he got his orders from there. They weren't saints. I mean, I don't mean that they didn't associate with saints. There were a number of people that I might nominate for that job. Namely, Lois Wilson, Ann Smith, maybe Sister Ignatius, and Nell Wayne at the top of that list. They, uh, no question about it, that they associated with But they were not saints. And you better be damn glad they weren't. I don't know everybody here, but I've never met anybody in Alcoholics Anonymous that could identify with a saint. <laughs> I know I can't. I don't think any of us would be in this room tonight if they were saints. Now, I don't uh, have any grudge against anybody or anything. <clears throat> I like to be happy and uh, get mad at somebody that interferes with my happiness. But uh, they developed a program that drunks could understand. Now, we were very lucky in Houston. We uh, knew that there wasn't anybody else that had ever done anything. I and mean, we tried all the treatment centers. We tried the church and everything that we know of. And they all had centuries that tried to do something about it and didn't. So we had a book that was written by alcoholics that uh, was staying sober. And there's a chapter in there, five, chapter five, that tells you how it works and what they did. So we didn't know any better. We just did what it said in chapter five. <laughs> I don't know if I could make it today with all the help you get. <laughs> we didn't have any alternatives. A lot of things... Often people say, it must have been awful tough in those days. Boy, we had a lot of advantages over you people today. There were no alternatives. We were at the end of the road. All of the people that, in my time, had hit bottom. I've got to tell you about how I found it. 
I'll make it as brief as I can because I got to get to Tampa. <laughs> and it's a long road. I've got to skip quite a few things. But uh, in the middle of February 1940, I lay in a 15-step flop house in Houston. I'd been on a long run. I awakened in the middle of the night and my head was surprisingly clear. And I lay there trying to figure out what was wrong with me. I uh, had always had very high ideals as, as a kid. I loved the outer story, boots like the Oski uh, Pays and all of this stuff. I guess it would be considered pretty corny today. But uh, I could arrive at only one conclusion. I knew just a few things. I knew that I couldn't handle alcohol, and I knew that I couldn't manage my life. I, uh, the only thing that I could figure out that I was, was I was insane. I'd always heard that the, a person's ability to profit by experience is a measure of sanity. Certainly I was crazy. Step one and two. I had turned away from religion very early in life. It didn't turn away from me, but uh, I had the guilt left. It's kind of hard to do that. It's kind of like being mad at somebody, you know. They don't it doesn't bother them, but you suffer. Anyhow, uh, my attitude about God, I, I see no reason why he would be interested in me as an individual, or why I had any right to call upon him. But I was like the little boys talking about prayer. First little boy said, at our house we pray morning, noon, and night. The second little boy, like me, he says, at our house we only pray at night. We're not scared in the daytime. Well, it was dark, and I was scared. So I started to repeat the Lord's Prayer. I said, Our Father, and I stopped. It seemed that most people refer to God as the Father. Now, I'm a father, not a good one, but a father. I said, Suppose my kids did the things that I did. How would I feel about that? Decided that made me very unhappy. So then if those kids came to me and said, Dad, I'm sorry for what I've done, and will you help me to do right? That would make me happy as a father. So for the first time, I saw a reason why maybe he would listen to me. So I made a simple prayer. I didn't ask for jobs or money. I'd had those things in the past, and in good measure. Obviously, that was not the complete answer. I didn't know what I needed. So I said simply, God, if you can and will, please show me the way.
the next day upon the eighth. That is, I heard about it <coughs> from a man I used to work for. And I heard uh, that someone had told him that I was in town and that he could sure use me if I was sober. So, up to this point, I have never been aware of a prayer being answered one way or the other. I had prayed and probably forgot it. This was no different. So I go to work and I, I'll go see Luke. I give him a big snow job. I haven't had a drink for six months. I have me a job and everything's all right. So I plan my campaign on the way over a few blocks. I walk in the door and Luke greets me at the door. How are you, Roy? I said, I don't know, Luke. I said, this breaking problem is worse than ever. I don't know what to do about it. And I hear those words, and they didn't come out of me. He told me about these articles that were to start in the paper the following day about some new thing for alcoholics. <coughs> so I, uh, I didn't pay any attention to it. I walked down the street and I got a run into a guy that was with an itinerant photograph crew. He said, I think I can get you on if you want a job. So he took me over to his boss and he gave me five bucks and I got a room at the Y and went to work the next morning. A very, very nice job with a hangover. I would, would go in the crew and you'd walk into, say, a restaurant where there are a lot of people. And I carried plates and uh, flash equipment. We didn't have any uh, blue dot bulbs in those days. We used a tray on the end of a stick. And you'd shake the powder in this tray. And uh, I was pretty nervous with this hangover I had. And sometimes I'd get quite a bit in there. <laughs> and I would pull the flash and sometimes it was an explosion rather than But I finished the first day and I stopped in Luke's office and uh, saw the light and was there and I went in. And he threw me the paper. He said, there's the first of those articles. It was the first of six articles which were a condensation of the big book. And for the first time, I found out from those articles that I was not the only guy like me, which I was sure of before. I tried immediately to reach this man in the press. I tried every day for a week without being able to reach it. Up to now, prayers like all others, uh, I didn't think of it again. But strange things were happening. I mean, starting with my conversation with Luke. I was doing things contrary to my will. I'd, uh, they, I didn't do what I planned to do. Anyhow, at the end of the week, uh, this crew moved on. I was out of a job. And the first call, I got Larry. After talking to him for half hour, 
I knew that I'd seen a prayer answered. Now I'll tell you this story and I'll use it as many times